Well, brothers and sisters, today I get to share with you a very special offer from the scriptures. And that special offer is a lesson from the Holy Spirit on how to turn invisible. Don't worry, it's not that kind of church. Last week, we talked about how in verse 6, the if only makes sense if we understand the difference between the visible and the invisible church. Well, everything after verse 6 also only makes sense if we understand that difference between the visible and the invisible church. That, that if in verse 14 also only makes sense if we understand the difference between the invisible and visible church. So our passage today is talking about the Holy Spirit's message for us on how to be invisible. And, and what we'll see is that by understanding that visible-invisible distinction, the, uh, that, that understanding helps us to understand that while this warning is serious and important and urgent, this warning is serious and important and urgent, but it is not a scary passage about losing your salvation. That's impossible. It's a call to God's covenant people, a call to God's visible church to be united to Christ by faith. It's a call to people who are members of the visible church to become members of the invisible church. So our passage today is not a scary passage telling you to lose yourself, you can lose your salvation. It's a call to faith in Christ. Because you see, either this passage is asking you to do something you can't do. It's, ask, it's either asking you to hold on to your salvation by your faithfulness, which is something you can't do, or it's asking you to rest. It's asking you to believe and rest in the promises of Christ in the gospel through faith in him. And, and what we'll see is it's that second one. What we'll see today is that the Holy Spirit wants you to become invisible by believing in Jesus and entering by faith into the rest that his gospel promises. So we'll look at this in only two points today. Two points. First, a warning against unbelief. And secondly, a call to rest. So a warning against unbelief and a call to rest. So first, point one, a warning against unbelief. And one of the first things we should notice by way of introduction is what Hebrews is saying about the scriptures. Notice verse seven, verse seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. See, Hebrews is telling us that even though David is the human author of the psalm that Hebrews is going to show us, he's going to show us part of Psalm 95. We know David, the human, wrote it. But we, what Hebrews is saying is that it was really the Holy Spirit who was speaking to his church. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through David. And the Holy Spirit was speaking about one thing. The Holy Spirit was speaking about one thing. He was speaking about salvation in Jesus. The people in Moses' time and in David's time had the same call that you and I have. And that call is to believe in Jesus. And so when we read the Bible, what Hebrews is telling us to do is, is, is to read it knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us on every page about Jesus. So therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested me with scrutiny and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that same generation and said, Always they go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And so what Hebrews is saying is we can read Moses all we want. We should read the first five books of the Bible. They're the Bible. But we should read Moses like Moses read Moses. And we should read Moses like David read Moses. And that's the way the Holy Spirit wants us to read Moses. And so what Psalm 
or what Hebrews is doing is he's showing us Psalm 95 and saying, here's how the Holy Spirit wants us to read Psalm 95 and read the story of Moses. Here's what Moses and David thought that the first five books of the Bible were telling us. And what they're telling us is that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand from, one Mo, or from Moses one simple message. One simple message from Moses. That if you try to go back to seeking righteousness from works of the law without Christ, you might think you're going back to the faith that Moses had. But really, you're going back to Egypt. You're trying to rebel with the people in the wilderness. And you're going to die. The generation in the wilderness were a whole church. They were a whole, they like us. They were like us. They were members of the visible church. They came to church. They heard the promises. They saw the promises. And they got to experience a taste of the goodness God has to his corporate people, to his visible church. God sent plagues to Egypt to soften Pharaoh's heart and bring his whole visible church out of Egypt. God drowned Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea. And he brought his people through on dry land. God led his people, his whole visible church, with a a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The visible church saw God come down in lightning and thunder and give Moses the law on Sinai. God fed them with manna. When they were sick of manna, he gave them quails. God gave them water from the rock in a bone-dry desert not once but twice. God healed them from serpent's bites. He protected them from the assaults of kings, from Moab and and all the other Canaanites. God protected their shoes and clothes so that the whole time they were wandering, their clothes never wore out. And yet, that generation that's going through all of this, that's seeing all of this, they're the generation that's constantly saying, is God really with us? They're the generation that sees all of this, that hears all of this, And yet they're the ones that constantly ask, is God really with us? The generation is the generation who says, sure, God just parted the entire sea for us to cross through, but he probably just brought us into the wilderness to die of thirst. Why would he bring us here? They complain. They don't have water. The generation is the one who said, sure, the manna comes from heaven every morning for us, but we're sick of the leeks and the meat and onions in Egypt This generation, the wilderness generation, is the one who says, Moses, the man, brought us out from Egypt. They actually say that in Exodus 32. Moses, the man who brought us out from Egypt, he's gone. We we haven't seen him in a while. We don't know where he is. So Aaron, you make us a calf. We'll worship a calf. This generation is constantly asking whether or not the Lord is really with them, even though they see the promises and they hear the promises. They're the generation that finally gets the borders of the promised land that God has promised to Abraham and Isaac and Israel. And they get there. They know that God has promised that he's going to bring his people in. And they get to the border and they see, they've seen all the signs he's shown them their whole time in the wilderness. And they get to the border and what do they say? This is an actual quote. They say, we wish that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or we wish that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. The problem with the wilderness generation was always their unbelief. The problem and the point of the Mosaic scriptures about the wilderness generation was that they didn't get to go in because they didn't believe in Jesus. 
And that's why their dead bodies fall dead in the desert. Hebrews is quoting Numbers here. He's, he's quoting Numbers 14. God tells the people, your dead bodies are going to fall in the desert because, and your children are going to bear the consequences of your unfaithfulness. But that unfaithfulness was always part of a larger problem. Unfaithfulness is the symptom, but the root and the heart of the disease is unbelief. And the Lord says that. Earlier in Numbers, he says that. Numbers 14, 11, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? It's possible to be in God's church and see all the signs he shows you and receive and participate in those signs and hear all the promises he gives you and still not enter the rest he offers you because of unbelief. That's what verse 19 says. They were unable to enter because of unbelief. And Hebrews is telling us, hear that message clearly. You can be a baptized member of Christ's church. You can be a baptized member of the covenant community, but you can miss out on the real thing that the baptism promises by not believing the promises that God makes to us in Christ. If you try to go back to trusting the law, if you try to go back to the empty sacrifices without trusting in Christ, their heart and their fulfillment, and you go back to works as if they made you righteous, you're actually not going back to Moses. You're going back to Egypt. You're rebelling against Moses and against God. You're going to make the same mistake that the generation who died in the wilderness made. You're going to make the mistake of unbelief. And if you do that, if you make the mistake of unbelief, you're not going to miss out just on the land, not just on the physical land of Canaan. You're going to miss out on eternal life and rest and life in the new creation. Canaan was always just a picture of that life in the new creation. But if you miss out on through unbelief in these promises, you're going to miss out on much worse. See, we can read the story of the Israelites and we can think, man, those people are really dumb. God was literally right with them. He was literally promising these things. I mean, he was there on the mountain. He brought them through the sea. He gave them all these signs. He gave them all these promises and they still disobeyed. And yet Hebrews is saying, God gave us those people as an example. We have that generation as a picture of unbelief. They're there to warn us, don't make the same mistake that they did. Don't fall into unbelief. It's possible to be a member of the visible church and still sin against God by testing God, by not believing the promises he gives us in Christ. Because notice that they tested God. They tested God. The fathers tested God. They, they put under God under scrutiny. God's the maker of the universe. He's the one that we can't hope to understand unless he comes and tells us who he is and unless he comes and establishes the relationship. And yet this generation tested God. God comes down and says, this is the one, or this is who I am, and this is how I want to be worshipped. And the people say, well, we don't want to believe that. We want to define how we worship God. We want to define whether or not God's, what God said is true based on our own ration, or our, our own rational abilities, our own intellect, our own mind. We want to measure whether or not what God says is true. That's the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin says, I get to measure by my own mind whether or not what God says is true. And I get to determine whether or not these promises are true. Hebrews says, don't fall into the deceitfulness of sin. God is God. We're us. We don't stand in judgment over his word. His word judges us. And his word, the word that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through says, believe in Jesus. 
believe in Jesus. And so the first point this morning is that we have to hear that warning. It's a, it's a hard warning, but it's an important warning from the Holy Spirit. Don't do what the wilderness generation did. Don't test the Lord. Don't, uh, don't not believe. He told us who he is. He told us how to approach him in Christ. And he's the one who defines the relationship. God's the one who makes the promises. And he's the one who tells us how things are going to be. And so the warning is, if you hear his voice, if you hear Jesus, the offer of salvation in Christ, don't turn away in unbelief. The wilderness generation had all sorts of signs and promises, but we do too. The wilderness generation was baptized in the cloud and the sea. We've been baptized too. The wilderness generation ate bread from heaven. We eat the Lord's Supper, the better bread from heaven. The wilderness generation heard God's promises to them by the Holy Spirit. And yet when we come together on the Lord's Day to hear the word, we hear God's promises from his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is calling you the same way he's always called members of his visible church. If you hear his voice, don't rebel. It's the same warning. You've heard the promises, believe them. But brothers and sisters, there's not just a warning here of what not to do. There's also a positive thing to do. And that brings us to point two, the call to rest. Point two, the call to rest. And the call is this. Not only are we not supposed to turn away in unbelief, but we're supposed to turn to Christ in belief. The call today is to believe in Christ and the one who sent him and then to rest in his finished work. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So if unbelief is the thing we're not supposed to do, and we're supposed not to do, if unbelief is what we have to watch out for, if unbelief is the thing that will keep us away from entering into the rest that we're meant for, if unbelief is the thing we're supposed not to do, then belief is the thing we're supposed to do. Belief in Jesus while there's still time, while it's still called today. And notice this again. This is not a call to keep yourself in salvation by faithfulness. That's impossible. This is a call, a call to be saved by faith. It's not a call to stay saved by faithfulness. It's a call to be saved by faith in Christ. See, this is where that visible-invisible distinction really helps us. When we know that there can be people who are baptized members of the church, who hear the word every Sunday, who taste the heavenly gift, but who don't believe in the promise of salvation in Christ, if we understand that distinction, that there can be people in God's visible church who aren't invisible members, when we understand that those people exist, we can understand what's going on in this passage. When we understand that, when we understand that distinction, we can understand what Hebrews is saying and what Hebrews is not saying. We can understand with the invisible, visible distinction what Hebrews is saying and what he's not saying. So Hebrews is not saying, see to it that you really, really, really believe and your belief is good enough to get you into the rest. That's not what our text says. Our text says, watch out, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart. That's a difference. God's, 
Not telling his people through Hebrews that believers should make sure that their faith and their obedience is good enough. He's telling them it's possible to be a member of the church and to miss out on Christ by unbelief. And he's saying, hear the call to believe in Jesus. Be joined to Jesus, your only high priest. Trust the high priest David and Moses were always talking about. Because the entire Old Testament is really one giant message from the Holy Spirit saying, today, today if you will hear his voice, today the Holy Spirit is calling you to trust in Christ. Today is the day to trust the better Moses. Jesus is the better Moses. And he can get you in the real rest. Moses was one of the people who died in the wilderness. Jesus entered the eternal promised land and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus can get you there because he's been there. You've been baptized, you've tasted the supper, you've heard the word, you've heard and seen all these promises, but now you believe them, believe them. The only way to make all the benefits of Christ your own, the only way to receive these promises you've been promised as a visible church member is by faith. In Christ, you need to believe in Christ. The wilderness generation had all those promises promised to them, but they didn't believe. You need to believe. And that's where verse 14 comes in. It's not talking about people who already believe in Christ and have just wavered. Verse 14 is talking about people who have professed their faith in Christ. They've sat next to us. They've sung the songs. They've said the creeds, and yet they don't believe. They have an evil, unbelieving heart. They don't believe in Jesus and they won't enter the rest. And again, it's, it's not the quality of our faith that makes us right before God. That's not the point of this passage. It's the quality of the Savior who brings you into the rest. Hebrews isn't telling us you get to the land by faithfulness. That's impossible. He's telling us you'll only get in the land by faith. You can't enter Christ's rest if you don't believe in Jesus. That generation couldn't enter because they didn't believe. This passage is not about people who lose their salvation. This passage is about people who show by their unbelief, by their actions in their unbelief, that they're not invisible. And they never were. But believers, leave with this. Believers, if you believe in Christ, you have entered God's rest. That's what the next passage says. You have entered God's rest. If you believe in Jesus, you're one of the people that Hebrews 4 verse 3 is talking about. You belong in the eternal Sabbath. You belong in the eternal rest for the people of God. You belong in the eternal rest that God made you for. God made you for rest. He made you to rest with him forever. And if you believe in Jesus, you're in. That's it. It's done. Believers, this passage can't scare you. It can't condemn you anymore. If you believe in Jesus, you've already entered the rest. You belong in new creation and you will be there alongside Joshua and Moses and Caleb and David and all the others who have been united to Christ by faith. And the passage even says that we're united to them by faith because we share the same Savior. If you believe in Christ, you have the same faith that those patriarchs had, faith that God will give his people rest in the true promised land. And that means that you're going to worship alongside them because you have the same Savior, and his promises are true, and his promises are your, yours by faith. Don't not believe, but if you do believe, rest. You belong in rest. So how do you become invisible? 
you become invisible by believing in Jesus. And when you're invisible, that's it. There's no taking that away from you. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.